That really is a, a great way to just summarize how God's affected your life. And again, we've got these resources out here on the table. Um, so far, we've hit the three, first three gospel minimums. You can pick those up. They're also online, so if you go on our website and resources, they're available to you, and it'll help you to develop these things as well. Hey, we're excited to be here on this uh, rather frigid day. I'm especially impressed by the folks that are out back right now. I think we have a picture of them. At least Kurt told me we had a picture of them. Well, imagine that there were some people on the screen. And it would be very few people because it's very cold out there. But anyhow, we're, we're glad to uh, have you guys inside, have those folks outside, and have the other folks watching online. Got a question for you. Um, is there anything or anyone that you are wholeheartedly devoted to? Anything or anyone that you are wholeheartedly devoted to? Maybe a, a sports team? Maybe a spouse or a family member? Maybe a job? Or, or how about God? Is there anyone or anything that you could say, I am wholeheartedly devoted to that thing or that person? I want us to talk about this idea of devotion, and we're going to wrap up um, really where we started last week, looking at this inheritance of land that was given to the Israelites. But specifically today, we want to look at the inheritance given to one individual, a man by the name of Caleb, who is known for his wholehearted devotion to God. So we're going to be in Joshua chapter 14. Um, it's page 220. If you have a church Bible you want to follow along, feel free. Now, the first five verses summarize all of chapter 13. So we have all of chapter 13 summarized in the first five verses, and here's, here's how it goes. It says, Now these are the areas the Israelites received as an inheritance in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel allotted to them. Their inheritances were assigned by lot to the nine and a half tribes as the Lord had commanded through Moses. So basically, um, what we see here is God divided up the remaining land west of the Jordan River, and then the leaders of the tribes, along with Joshua and Eleazar the priest, they, they got together and they just like rolled the dice. And whoever got whichever piece of land got it. All right, that's basically what's happening here. And then in verse 3, we see again a, another recap. It says, Moses had granted the two and a half tribes their inheritance east of the Jordan, but had not granted the Levites an inheritance among the rest. For Joshua's descendants had become two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. The Levites received no share of the land, but only towns to live in, with pasture lands for their flocks and herds. So the Israelites divided the land just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Again, we covered all of this last week. If you missed it, go back, listen to it, watch it. It's all available to you. But in essence, what's happening here is this part is, is a recap that um, the land uh, east of the Jordan was already allocated to two and a half of the tribes. So there's 12 tribes. Two and a half of the tribes got land there. So Reuben and Gad, these are their descendants. And then half of the tribe of Manasseh received land, again, east of the Jordan. 
Now, the Levites, we talked about the Levites last week, and they didn't get any land. It seemed like they sort of got shortchanged a little bit. Their, their inheritance was to serve the Lord and for God and his people to provide for them. But they were allocated cities to live in and then some land for their animals to graze upon. So they weren't completely neglected. Now, what we see happening next is, is the tribe of Judah is coming forward. And they're coming to Joshua, and, and they're coming to find out what is their inheritance. What land have they been allocated? And specifically, specifically what we're going to see is this man by the name of Caleb and the allocation of land that he receives as his inheritance. So look at verse 6 with me. It says, Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. That's where they were camping, and they'd been there for a number of years. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report Uh, according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now, in case you're not familiar with the story of um, the Israelites and coming into the promised land, or maybe you just um, don't remember it, let me recap it rather quickly. You may recall that the Israelites had been captives. They'd been slaves in Egypt for some 400 years. And then Moses came and he led them out of slavery and he was taking them to this promised land, this land that God had promised to Abraham hundreds of years prior. And so they're on the verge of of, of entering into the promised land, and he takes um, from the 12 tribes one representative, one spy, to go into the land and to spy it out, to see whether the land was good and what type of people were living there. And so of the 12, Joshua and Caleb were among them. And so Joshua came from the tribe of Ephraim, and Caleb came from the tribe of Judah. And so the 12 go into the land, and then they come back, and they all have similar reports. And they say that the land is great. I mean, it is a land flowing, quote-unquote, with milk and honey. And they even brought back some of the fruit for people to see and to taste, and it was so good. But they also had a report that the inhabitants of the land, those that occupied the land, their enemies... They were big, they were strong, they were fierce, they were intimidating. Now, this is where the reports changed. Because 10 of the spies said, there's no way we can defeat the enemy. They are too great, they are too mighty. But two, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, that that is true about them, but we can defeat them. Because God is with us and God has promised us this land. He has promised to deliver them into our hand. Well, the majority of the people, they believed the report of the 10 versus the 2. And then they began to grumble against Moses and his brother Aaron. 
They went so far as to even plan to stone Joshua and Caleb to death. They were going to kill them. Well, God was growing angry with them, and he was going to wipe them all out. But instead, he decided, no, here's what I'll do. I'll have the people wander in the wilderness for 40 years, one year for every day that the spies were in the land. And that's what happened. And his intent was this, that every man and woman that was 20 years old or older would die over that 40-year process. And in fact, that's what happened, except for two. Joshua and Caleb remained. So um, this, this is what God said about, about Caleb. And, and Moses wrote it down. It's in Numbers 14, verse 24. And I think it just speaks to who he is as a man. It says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Can you imagine God, you know, speaking about you and saying, you know, because he or she follows me wholeheartedly, I'm going to bring him into the land. Wouldn't that be great to know that that's how God sees you? Well, with that in mind, listen to, to Caleb's request, beginning in verse 10. So now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself, Joshua, heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me. I will drive them out, just as he said. So Caleb's old. I mean, he's, he's 85 years old, but, but he's full of vigor, right? He's like, I'm as strong today as I was when I was 40 years old, and I am not afraid of a fight. I, I'm ready to go and fight them because I have this wholehearted faith. I still believe today, after 45 years, that God is going to deliver them into my hands. That's the confidence he had because of this wholehearted faith devotion and commitment to God. It goes on in verse 13. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. So, Caleb is given this land as an inheritance, and specifically this great city called, um, why did I just blank, called Hebron. And so, Hebron is, is there today. It's still a prominent city in the Holy Land. It's about 20 miles south of Jerusalem. And it's coveted by not only the Jews, but the Christians and the Muslims alike. So all three of those religions, they covet this, this land, this city of Hebron. And here's why. Here's the primary reason why. It's be, believed to be the burial place of patriarchs and matriarchs. Patriarchs and matriarchs, specifically the burial place of Abraham and Sarah. And so each of these religions 
looks back to Abraham and Sarah. They are significant to each of these religions. And so that's why that city is so important. And that's why it's still in turmoil today. There's a lot of unrest in Hebron if you watch the news or you ever go there by chance. So um, that was given to him. Um, Now, I want to spend a few minutes just looking at what we can glean from Caleb. Again, if you didn't pick up on it, it keeps talking about his wholehearted faith, his wholehearted devotion, his wholehearted commitment to God and to others. And I think we can draw from his wholehearted commitment some things that we can apply to our lives and what it may look like for us to be wholeheartedly committed to God and others. I think um, there's a part that we play in that, but most importantly, there's a role that God plays in that. And I believe that if we come to him, we ask him for this wholehearted commitment that he will give it to us. He will give it to us. Now, the first thing that I see is that um, folks that are wholeheartedly committed to God, they, they've developed endurance. They've developed endurance. Think about Caleb. I mean, the man was committed. He was committed to God. Forty-five years after God had promised him this land as an inheritance, he continued to be faithful. He had developed endurance over those 45 years. He wandered with his fellow Israelites in the wilderness for 40 of those years. He suffered greatly, not because of his unfaithfulness, He suffered greatly because of the unfaithfulness of his countrymen, his brothers, his sisters. He saw probably most of his friends and family die in the wilderness, and yet his faith didn't waver. He continued to develop endurance. He was faithful until he came into the land. Now, The question is, do we have endurance? Do you have endurance? Um, Are you known as someone who wholeheartedly um, just is faithful to your spouse, who is wholeheartedly committed to your family, wholeheartedly committed to your work, your school, or wholeheartedly committed to God? Is that an attribute that others would say is true of you? Do you have that kind of wholehearted commitment, devotion, that is a result of endurance. You've persevered over time. I think that's one characteristic that we can see in Caleb's life, and we can hopefully apply to ours. Now, another one is that um, people that are wholeheartedly committed, they follow God and not the crowd. They follow God and not the crowd. Remember, when everybody else was turning against God and against God's promises, they were following the crowd because it's easier a lot of times, isn't it, to follow the crowd? There's not a lot of resistance when you follow the crowd. Not Caleb. He was willing to stand up, to speak out, say, no, I'm going to trust and I'm going to follow God, even though the crowd is going a completely different direction. Even though the crowd wants to kill him. Imagine what his life must have been like, those 40 years of wandering. It must have been a lonely time, feeling very isolated and even ostracized. Yet he was, he was committed to following God and not the crowd. So the question for us is, are you a 
God follower or you're a crowd follower? Do you follow the crowd because it's easier, there's less resistance, or do you follow God? Are you willing to take a stand on what God says is right and true, or are you willing to compromise because it's just easier to follow the crowd? Do you allow the ever-changing culture to dictate what you believe and how you act, or do you allow God and his word and his truth to dictate what you believe and how you act? Are you a crowd follower or are you a God follower? Again, I think folks that are wholly devoted to God, they follow him and not the crowd. Now, that leads me to the, the next point. Folks that are wholeheartedly devoted to God, they face their giants. They face their giants. So when Caleb went in and he spied out the land, and Sutton touched on this two weeks ago, I, I mentioned it a little bit last week, um, the people that he encountered in the hill country, they were called Anakites, Anakites, and they were giants of people, giants of men, if you will. Some have been said to have been seven feet, eight feet, even nine feet tall. Goliath was an Anakite. He was of that race, and so they were a big, intimidating bunch and those were the people that Caleb had seen when he went into the land and he faced the giants. He was not fearful of those giants because he knew that the battle was ultimately God's. The battle was not man's, it was God's. And he trusted in God that God would deliver these giants into their hands. And see, there was something else that was different. Remember the report that comes back? Other people saw the, these giants of men as well. And that's all they could focus on. They came back and they said, there are giants in the land. But Caleb's response is, yes, there are giants. But when I look at them, I see giants slain. I, I see a fertile land. I see cities waiting to be occupied. Notice the difference in perspective. Perspective is so important. And it's birthed out of, a lot of times, our wholehearted devotion or faith in God. Thinking about perspective, I came across this story as I was preparing, and it's an old story. You may have heard it. I don't even know if it's true, but I like it, um, so I'm going to use it. And, and here's how the story goes. that A long time ago, there was a shoe company, and they sent a shoe salesman from America and sent him over to this foreign land. And the guy goes over there, and I believe it was on ship, and he gets over there, and the first thing he notices as he goes out on the land is nobody has shoes. Nobody there has shoes. And so he wires back to the headquarters. He says, nobody here has shoes. Send money. I'm coming home. He, he thinks there, there's no point, right? And so they send money. He comes home. They eventually send another shoe salesman to the country. He gets there, wires back, same report. Nobody here has shoes. Send me all that you can manufacture. You see what I'm saying? He saw opportunity. Nobody has shoes. Give me all the shoes you got. I have this endless you know, demand for shoes. They don't even know what they're missing. But the other guy just saw, nope, they don't wear shoes. Perspective is important. See, when some people see giants, they see obstacles. 
but not people that are wholeheartedly devoted to God like Caleb. What he saw were giants slain. He saw opportunity, not opposition. And that's critical, I think, for us as well. And then it leads me to the, the final point here. Um, I think people that are wholeheartedly devoted to God, they grow stronger as they get older. They grow stronger as they get older. Now, Caleb said, look, I'm 85 years old, and I'm as strong as I was when I was 40. I'm still ready and and willing and able to go out there and battle the enemy. But I think what was was really true, I don't know if he was as strong as he was when he was 40. He certainly felt as strong. But I would guarantee you he was spiritually stronger than he was when he was 40. And I think the same should be true for us. Think about myself. So I'm 56 now. I know you're shocked to believe I could be that old. But um, anyhow, I still think I am as strong as I was when I was 40, which may not be saying a whole lot. But um, I, I feel that way. But here's something I do know to be true. I am much stronger spiritually now than I was when I was 40. I'm much stronger spiritually and I continue to grow more and more strong. Here's the thing. When I open up the Bible and I start to read it, it, it still comes alive to me. Like, I am so excited to read it. And then to study it and, and to see just more and more nuggets of God's wisdom just rising to the surface, things that I've never seen before, even though I've read it over and over. And and it excites me. And I love seeing, like specifically as we're going through this study, seeing how the things in the Old Testament tie together with the things in the New Testament, how they apply to our lives today. I love that. Like I feel like I'm a kid in a candy shop just learning and growing all the time. I love having the opportunity to, to meet lots of different people and to interact with folks like you and to see God at work in your lives. And he's changing and transforming people. I love that three-word testimony, and I hope that every one of us can come up with one of those and share our story of how God has been at work in our lives. That gives me life. It makes me feel young, and I continue to grow because I want to see more and more of that happening. It's exciting. And here's another thing. Like, I am old enough now to where I am seeing some prayers that I've been praying for years and years and years being answered. Some of my prayers that I, I honestly, if I'm just being real with you, I didn't think they would ever come to pass. I just thought they were too, too far out there, too great. Like God's doing it. He's doing it. And so the older I get, the stronger my faith is becoming. I think, you know, that's something that we should aspire to if we are wholeheartedly devoted to God. I think that should be a reality for all of us. And so I think just looking at a quick glimpse of Caleb's life, I see four characteristics of wholehearted faithfulness and commitment to God that should be and can be, if we desire it, evident in our lives as well. I do believe that we can develop this endurance and that we can and should be followers of God instead of followers of the crowd. And that we can face our giants, face our giants, whatever they may be, 
whatever they may look like. Maybe, maybe the giants you're facing have something to do with relationships that you just feel are, are insurmountable or finances, or maybe it's faith-related. We can face those giants because we know the battle is God's and he can overcome them for us. When we see these giants, we can see giants slain. And then finally, you know, as we get older, I think we can grow stronger spiritually. Every single one of us, that should be our goal. That should be a reality. Now, when I was thinking about all of this, like I love the way the Bible uses names. If you look in the Bible and you come across somebody's name like Abraham and, and you dive a little deeper and you, you figure out what that name means, it's, it's um, indicative of the character of the individual. And um, Caleb's name is significant. It's significant. I don't know if you know what the name Caleb means in Hebrew, but here it is. It means faithful, loyal, wholehearted. Did you get that? Wholehearted, bold, and brave. That's what Caleb means. And the Caleb of the Bible embodied those very things, didn't he? And so then I started thinking, who are the Caleb's that I know? Who are the Caleb's that, that you know? And, and start running through some of the Caleb's in your mind. And I started thinking, who are the Caleb's in our church? And the first Caleb I thought of was Caleb Wright, you know, the son of Josh and Claire Wright. And so then I was curious. I was wondering if, if they had a clue why they named him Caleb, you know, because some people just come up with a name and they're like, that's a cool name. You know, I'll just name him Caleb. It's in the Bible. You know, sometimes you're like, why did you pick that name in the Bible? Did you know what you were picking? So anyhow, so I, I, I hit up Josh and I was like, Josh, why did you name your son Caleb? And little did I know that he had already made a social media post when Caleb was born, but I'm not on social media, so I'm pretty clueless. But he sent this post to me, and I asked if I could um, share it with you all, or at least some excerpts, and, and he said, sure. And so um, I think this is great. If you look at the name Caleb, so Josh and Claire, what they were doing is really speaking this into their son's life. They're saying, we want you to be not just name Caleb, we want you to be a Caleb. We want you to embody Things like wholehearted devotion to God. And then Josh summarized it with a prayer at the end. And I'm just going to pull a few pieces of that prayer out and share it with you. Because I think it's pretty um, encouraging. So, this is Josh. My prayer of you today is that as you grow old, you begin to discover this identity that God pours over you. That like Caleb in the Bible who gave himself totally to God, you will personally know how good God is, how much he loves you, and how much he has in store for you. I pray that like Caleb in the Bible, you'll be full of faithfulness, loyalty, wholeheartedness, boldness, and bravery. And also like Caleb in the Bible, I pray for other Joshuas to come alongside you in your life that you can fight the enemy with, and experience God's promises with. There's still land out there that needs to be fought for, and it's not easy land. I pray that we won't fall for the trap of wanting the easy land, land that often makes us complacent, unthankful, and forgetful. 
Instead, I, I pray for hard land, land where we must be dependent on God showing up. And one day, when you ask me for your hard lands to go fight for, I ask for faithfulness and wisdom in knowing you're ready to go fight for them. Until then, I can't wait to fight enemies with you. And if God goes with us, we will drive them out. Love your dad. Not many of us, if any of us in the room right now, is named Caleb. You may not have a son, or maybe you have a son and you didn't name him Caleb. But don't you want personally or want your child or your grandchildren to have the characteristics of a Caleb? Don't you want that boldness, that wholehearted commitment and devotion to God, that fearlessness, that trusting in him, not wavering in the face of your enemies, your giants? Isn't that who you want to be and, and who you want your children and your grandchildren to become? I think all of us should be Caleb's. And I regret that I failed to name one of my boys Caleb. I had to name the dog Boaz because I had another regret there too. But the, um, <laughs> I may rename all my kids. <laughs> but think about it. That can still be a reality for us. If you want it, just ask. Ask God, who gives so generously. Don't you think God would love to bless you that way or to bless your children that way? If you're praying for that kind of wholehearted devotion, don't you think God wants to say, man, that's what I want to give you. Everybody else is asking for stuff. You want wholehearted devotion? Here you go. And guess what? I've got a promised land waiting for you, too. I have a great inheritance for you. You know, may we be just people of endurance. May we not follow the crowd, but follow God. May it be said of us that we're willing to face our giants and, and that we have such a a, a different view of them that instead of just seeing them as opposition and being fearful of the giants, we see them as giants slain. And that as we grow older, we are men and women who are growing stronger spiritually. You know, I have the benefit of, of meeting with Donna Cudworth. We, we get together on Tuesday mornings to pray. Donna is like Caleb's age. And... Um, if you've not spent any time with her, the older she gets, the stronger she becomes. The older she gets, the stronger she becomes. It's inspiring. I think we're called to be Caleb's. Is that something you desire? Then let God know. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much. We thank you for great men in the Bible like Caleb who weren't great because of some physical prowess or, or anything else that we might look to or point at, they were great because they trusted you greatly. 
they had this wholehearted devotion to you and to others. May that be true of us. May that be true of our children and our children's children. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.